Praise the Lord, everybody. I usually don't bring water up, but I've had a scratchy throat today, so just in case I need it. How's everybody doing? Count of three, tell me. One, two, three. Woo! So wonderful to hear all of that. I didn't hear any bad stuff. It was all good. Praise the Lord. Welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, we are doing, um, I've been given the privilege of sharing uh, pastors, uh, continuing pastor series. What? Oh. <laughs> uh, what pastor delivers to us over this pulpit is not something he just well, let's just talk about this. I believe that pastor seeks the Lord for direction. Um, I believe that he is our shepherd and um, our under shepherd, and he leads us beside very green pastures of the word and, and uh, the still waters, if you want to continue the sheep and shepherd analogy. So um, part six is tonight of the series we've been doing, Weights, Sins, and Struggles That Can Trip Us Up. And I'm going to tell you that if I didn't believe what I just said about pastor getting direction from the Lord, I would say he probably targeted me for this topic. Um, Sister Dory and I went into the office last week and he shared his heart about the topic that I'd be teaching on tonight. And it had been a very stressful day for me. Um, there were some circumstances involving some people that I care very deeply about and love that just seemed so overwhelming to me. And I sat down on the chair and he goes, so I need you to teach about worry and anxiety. And I burst into tears. <laughs> he was like, sister, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I will be. <laughs> so I have something invested in this topic tonight. Um, I need to know for myself what to do with this struggle and weight of worry and anxiety. Can anybody, anybody witness that with me? Yeah, uh, it's, it's there. It's very real. So Matthew 6, chapter 6, verse, I'm going to start, I'm going to read a, a little bit of a length here. Um, verses 25 to 34. And I'm going to be reading from the NLT um, do we have the NLT version or are you going to have King James? We got the NLT. Awesome. Um, as I read this, I've highlighted these words in my, on my iPad where, where I've written the scripture out. But just look at how many times the word or the concept of worrying is mentioned in these just few short verses. Uh, Jesus is on the, we're, he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount. We're in the middle of the sermon here. And he says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? 
Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today, the King James Version, King James Version says, God clothes the grass um, and it's thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Worry and anxiety. They're almost buzzwords for today. Um, and this trio does try, or stress, worry, and anxiety, they, they try to wedge themselves into all of our lives. Somehow, what circumstances cause us to um, feel these emotions. But I have um, good news, if you will, that's just not a 21st century problem. It's not a new tactic of the enemy. And Jesus addresses it in his word and gave us help to overcome it. The Bible has a lot to say about these topics. Um, but the word anxiety I thought was pretty interesting. It's not found in the King James Version at all. Um, you have to look at other translations. But the King James does use words like trouble or heaviness, distress, cares, um, those types of words are used in its place. And I, I can, I believe, I feel like those are really good synonyms for anxiety, a troubling and a heaviness in my spirit. Um, the topics we worry about or the topics we have anxiety about, they may change from day to day. Or like last week, they changed from hour to hour for me. I had one and then about an hour or so later, I had another. They just changed and all that anxiety and all the worry started flowing in. Um, but it feels like we're always going to have something to consume our thoughts and energy with regard to worry and anxiety. And the verses we just talked about talk a lot about food and clothing, um, provision, like drink. What are you going to wear? What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? Primary concerns of life, things we need for survival. But there are so many other things that we worry about, that we get anxious about. Our job, our family. Our relationships. Young people worry about their grades. Um, what about our parents or our health or our parents' health? Um, finances, the future. What's the future going to hold for me? Um, so many things that we worry about, and they're not specific to one age group. Parents, your young children, your young people, they have anxiety and worries too. And just because they are young doesn't mean that they're, they're not important, the things that concern them. And so be aware and be attentive to the things that, um, how they're acting out or how they're responding to certain situations because there's anxieties and worries that they face as well. So you need to be aware of that. But every age has um, some sort of, a, a, a pro, we're prone to, to worry or have anxiety. Anxiety is unrealistic and persistent fear. 
Uh, it often makes it difficult to focus or to get things done. And many times it, it compromises your ability to function um, in that it, it manifests in se itself in physical ways. Um, heart palpitations, uh, shortness of breath, dizziness, um, uh, stomach issues, nausea, all these different things can be symptoms potentially of anxiety. Worry is a feeling of unhappiness, nervousness, or fear about something or someone. It speculates and anticipates chaos or problems. Worry may keep you awake at night. Worry always focuses on something in the future that may happen or may not happen. Boy, why are we wasting our time on this? Why do we worry if it's just speculation for something that may or may not happen? Rational or not, we do it, right? Condition of our health, I've already mentioned some of these. Um, the safety of our family. What if my house catches fire? Where does that come from? What? And I've thought it. I've had that particular thing pop into my head. What am I getting out first? Um, what, does this headache mean I have a brain tumor? I've had that thought as well. Um, will we have enough money to retire? Did I marry, will I, I married the right man, but I have, what if I married the wrong man or the wrong woman? Who's going to take care of me when I get old and when I retire? Do I need to have my house, my, uh, you know, assisted living place already set up? They've already told me that they're putting me in whatever cheap nursing home they can find. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> But I'm here to tell you that God is more than enough for all of our worries and all of our concerns. You've probably heard this story before, but there was a man, very wealthy, rich businessman who was near death, and he had worked hard all his life and had acquired a lot of wealth, and he wanted to be able to take some of it to heaven with him, and so he received special permission from God to take, it's totally fake, y'all. <laughs> But he wanted to take some of his possessions with him to heaven. And so God gave him special permission. And when he got to the pearly gate, Peter said, well, I got to see what's going on here. I mean, you said God gave you permission, but I do have to check what's inside your bags, like the TSA. And Peter unzips the, the large suitcase and he opens it up. And it sa he says, you brought pavement? You brought gold bars? Pavement? It's just pavement to God. He lines the streets of heaven with gold. And this was what was important to this guy. God is so much more powerful and able to do and, and has so much more things available than what we, I mean, we just want to take pavement, you know? And so um, in the Old Testament, we can read how um, Israel, when they came out of Egypt, God provided manna every day. For them. And when they complained, he added quail to the list and provided for them every day. They didn't have to worry about tomorrow. They could trust God that today I had enough, tomorrow I'm going to have enough. Day after day after day, he, he provided for them and for their daily needs. If he can take care of that multitude of people, he can take care of me and he can take care of you. Um, in the Verses we read tonight in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus uses examples of nature 
to show how much he really cares for us. And one of those examples was the birds. In verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. Birds don't worry, but they do work. They're not lazy. They do work every day for their daily needs, for their provision. They dig worms. They dig out bugs. Um, they build a nest. They provide a place of rest and protection for their family, the mama birds. Um, but this verse says that God is their provider. And as a matter of fact, it says your heavenly father feeds them. If he is going to feed the birds... And your heavenly father loves you way more than he can care about this little bird who has no soul. He, you have a soul and he loves you and cares for you. He is going to provide you. He is going to provide you a place of rest. He's going to provide your needs. The birds, they don't gather food or store them up in barns like we do. But God still takes care of them. They go through today knowing that God is enough. And tomorrow when the sun comes up, God's still going to be God, and he's still going to be enough for what they need. Therefore, we should know that God is going to take care of us too. Because it says, are, the, are you not of more value than they? Amen. Let's thank him for that. Thank you for your provision, God. Thank you for taking care of us. Hallelujah. Someone once said that the worry many people have over ma the material things of life is rooted in a low understanding of their value before God. We don't comprehend how much he loves us and cares for us. We, it's, he does. He does. And if God takes care of the grass of the field, you know, that stuff we cut and start fires with or or toss in a bag for the trash people to pick up. God cares about that? Yeah, it said so. And if so, then he certainly will care for you. Amen. Um, verse 30 of the verses we read in Matthew says, um, O ye of little faith, for us to seek physical things and material things and to worry about something that may or may not happen it's sometime in the future to be anxious about things that we imagine might go wrong. Jesus identified us as an unbeliever. He, in King James, he says Gentile. An unbeliever, someone who doesn't have confidence in who their heavenly father is. Some, someone that doesn't have confidence that God can change their circumstances. An unbeliever is someone out of relationship with him. And they haven't walked through things with him. Jesus hasn't provided for them. They haven't realized that he's their provider, that he is their comfort and he is their um, peace. And whatever they need, they can find in him. That's the life of an unbeliever. We're believers. We know what God can do. And we have that confident assurance of what he'll do on our behalf. We can walk without being worried or being anxious. Um, when we look into the future and we see uncertainties and begin to worry about how we're going to deal with it all, we're taking on responsibility that belongs to God. It's not ours to carry. He alone is responsible for the future. And he has promised to provide the resources we need to meet those future needs when they come. 
We may not have it today. We may not have the need today, and we may not have the resource today. But tomorrow, if we have the need, God will be there in our tomorrow working it out for us. We can be attentive. We can prepare with godly responsibility, and we should. We can't be lazy. But beyond that, worry is not God's will for me. It's not God's will. Jesus said in uh, verse 25, take no thought for your life. That's why I tell you, the NLT says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? In other words, the whole purpose of life should not be just to pursue the accumulation of what we eat or what we have, our possessions. We need to trust God for the necessities. And if we don't, it's, an, it's a lack of faith in him. Lack of faith and, and his, doubting his love and doubting his ability to take care of your needs. So our purpose is about him and the pursuit of spiritual things. So Jesus didn't tell us to fight this battle that we have no hope of winning. Don't worry. He, we have help. We have hope. We have a solution. Verse 33, it says, seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, I have to admit, if I was writing the Sermon on the Mount, I probably would not have said that. Seek first the kingdom of God is my, is my solution to not worry. I would probably have picked something like Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and, and thank him for what he's done. And then you're going to experience God's peace, passes all understanding. That's a good scripture. How about 1 Peter 5? Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And he, he cares daily for you and watches over you very carefully. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened down, and I will give you rest. Sounds like a great solution for worry and anxiety. Joshua 1, 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. All those are great biblical things that we can do when we begin to worry and have anxiety over our situation. But Jesus taught at the Sermon on the Mount that the solution to combating worry and anxiety is to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. We have to prioritize what we seek. When we're fearful, when we're worried, when we're afraid, we have to seek the kingdom of God. Not all these other solutions, not how, to, how am I going to fix this and how is this going to happen and where is that going to come from? Seek first the kingdom of God. And, and really, I mean, the King James says seek first the kingdom, but I think first seek is really how we need. It's not like we have other things that we have to seek. It's seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God is external. It's God's will to be done on the earth. It's God's will to be done in my life. It's God's will to be done in my situation. We seek his purpose and his design for what is going on in our life. His righteousness is internal in me. It's his character 
in me, my right standing with God. So seek his will, seek his purpose. What is your design for this God? Why is this problem walking through? Why am I walking through this problem? Seek his will. What is the purpose, God? And how can we glorify you as we walk through this situation? And God, let my, my heart be right with you. Let me be aligned with you that nothing in me be displeasing to you. I want to be in right standing with God. And then all these other things will fall into place. So our perspective is important. And we have to find where our perspective is on our situation. Where do you position Jesus in relationship to your trouble or your problem? Is he completely out of the loop? Haven't consulted him at all. That's a problem. I'll just tell you. Consult the Lord. Seek first. But do you stand, if this is, if this is your problem here, well, if this is your problem here, do you stand here and then Jesus? Or do you have your problem and then Jesus and then over here is you? You have to look through Jesus to see your problem. If you put him between you and the difficulty you're facing and the problem and the challenge that you've got, do you put Jesus between you and your problem? That's the correct perspective. Not so that your eyes are on the problem, but so that your eyes are on Jesus. Seek first the kingdom. There's a pastor's wife in Barberton, Ohio, the Apostolic Church of Barberton, Brooke Pamer. She says, we empower what we allow our mind to meditate on. What's going on in your mind determines your perception. Keep your eyes on Jesus, not your problem, and allow him the liberty to move on your behalf and to work on your behalf, because he will. When you surrender it all to him, he will work on your behalf. Seek his will to be done and allow him to be the king of the kingdom. Allow him to rule and reign as king in your life. God will supply all that we need in just the right amount of time. Just like the manna for the children of Israel. Or just like Elijah when the ravens came. Those birds are scavengers, but they brought him food. Things that they would normally hoard to themselves or eat themselves. They, get, they brought Elijah food daily. Um, and the Lord's Prayer also says to give us our daily bread. Don't give it to us for a week, Lord, it might go stale. But let me have my daily bread so that I can trust you for today and trust that you will be in my tomorrow. If we don't settle this principle that he is our provider every day in our hearts and minds, then we will constantly worry. We will constantly be in turmoil in our mind. The Apostle Paul reminds us that we are in a spiritual battle which must be fought with power and strength from God. He tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that um, we are to demolish anything that is raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey God. Sister Melissa talked about this last time. Take it and, and cast it out. That is not of God. I don't have to think this way. I don't have to have this worry. God, I give it to you, and I plead the blood of Jesus over my situation. 
Amen. Many times in the New Testament, you'll see, don't worry about this, but rather pray, just like in Philippians 4. Pray about it. Um, And once we've settled that principle of God's divine care, then our attitude should change from constant worry to one of living in faith and living a lifestyle that shifts from pursuing personal wealth um, to developing our spiritual priorities and doing the will of God in our life, having it done at any cost. Now, this is not an excuse for laziness. I already said that. This doesn't mean we're exempt from work. Um, We have to be faithful stewards of what God um, has given us and what God expects of us. It's our godly responsibility. We still need to be concerned about our family and and caring for them. We need to provide as best we can. We we can't just say, okay, I'm going to pursue my favorite hobby and the Lord's just going to rain down manna. Now he can. He can, but I think that his word tells us that we should um, occupy until he comes. We should not be lazy. We shouldn't be um, um, sloths. We need to pursue what God has us has asked for us in our daily life. So we have stuff to do. We can't just sit back, but we have to exercise godly responsibility, but concentrate on his promise that he is going to provide. Um, in verse 34, Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take um, thought for the things of itself. The NLT says, today's troubles is enough for today. I, I don't need to worry about tomorrow stuff because um, I don't know what tomorrow will bring. If we did, we could put our worry into action and maybe make a change. But we don't, we don't have any idea what tomorrow is going to bring. But God knows exactly in every area of your life what you need for today and for tomorrow. Whether it's food or clothing or housing, a companion, uh, medical care, God knows and he's ready to provide what you need. But our focus is on spiritual matters. First, his kingdom and my right standing with the king then God will make sure I have all the material things I need. I cannot put the kingdom in second place over my needs and my wants. That sounds harsh when we think, because we're very selfish people. I mean, we, we don't want to hurt. We don't want to take second seat. We, we want to be in the first. We want to have everything real cushy and real, real nice. But what if I have to, what if I have to, lay aside some things that I find very valuable or that I enjoy doing or enjoy having because it's not the kingdom first. Am I willing to do that? The kingdom cannot take second place. First, seek the kingdom of God and do his will. After Jesus finished his sermon on the mount, he went on a ministry trip and basically all that he had been teaching um, all the principles that he had been teaching in, in the Sermon on the Mount, um, he wanted to, he modeled them, these principles for the disciples in this missionary journey or missionary trip, ministry trip that he took. Matthew 8 and 9 represent various conversations and encounters that Jesus faced on this trip. And if you look at these conversations and you see his response to ordinary people and their troubles, 
If we were to make a list of things that bother us, that worry us, that concern us, this list in Matthew 8 and 9 could have been written today. Um, and, and I have this list if you guys want to see it, but there was terminal illness. The leper that was ostracized because he was a leper. Jesus healed him. Death of a loved one. The centurion ruler had a sick servant and he wanted him to be made whole. And so Jesus healed him. Physical discomfort and sickness. Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever and he prayed for her. Spiritual oppression. There were many uh, afflicted with various illnesses that the Bible says many. Jesus brought them, delivered them from demonic possession and healed their sicknesses is what it says. Financial security. There was a scribe that lacked commitment because he wanted to go take care of things at home and make sure the home was taken care of before he followed Jesus. Physical safety. Jesus was in the boat sleeping and a storm came. He calmed the storm. Spiritual war warfare. Two men had demon was, were possessed by demon spirits and Jesus cast them into the pigs and the pigs ran and cast themselves into a pool, into some water and, and drowned. Loss of reputation. Jesus ate dinner with people who had a poor reputation. He ate dinner with tax collectors and publicans and he called people like that to come serve and work in his kingdom. The suffering of a child, somebody having a, a child who is hurting. You can relate to this. A ruler had a dying daughter and he came to Jesus and he said, my daughter's at home and she's dying. And Jesus healed the daughter from afar. Permanent disability, two blind men. Jesus touched their eyes and they were made whole. All of these things, terminal illness, death of a loved one, physical discomfort, sickness, all of these things are probably you think of somebody who may have some of those as I was reading them. Maybe, in you, maybe it's you. Maybe it's your family. All of these, but Jesus stepped into each one. Every one of these. Jesus worked a miracle and healed, provided, cleansed, delivered, Every one of them, Jesus stepped in and he can do the same for you. They're given back to back to illustrate that these, these specific circumstances, it doesn't matter how, how, it, how it's going on in your life, um, the things that keep you up at night. The disciples didn't under, understand that they lacked the power to control the outcome. They questioned, how come we can't do some of these things, right? Um, but Jesus knew that he could step in and he could heal. Jesus knew that he could step into the situation and bring provision or bring healing and bring hope. Jesus knew that his presence his word and his very word could, could make a change in their life. Part of being a Christian means we are going to face difficulty. That's just because we're humans. Everybody's going to face difficulty. Jesus went through some rough times on his earthly ministry. And he faced some things that, that um, he really didn't, didn't want, to, want to face in his flesh. He even prayed let this cup pass from me. He was not excited about his future at Calvary other than the fact that he was going to do it for you and me. But he wasn't looking forward to the pain and the suffering that he would endure. But when he prayed, let this cup pass from me, that sounds like an anxious prayer to me. But he followed it with not my will, but thy will. 
thy kingdom come, the kingdom first. Uh, the Bible makes it very clear that worry is wrong because it takes God out of the loop. It puts him over there and then me and then my problem. It takes him out completely from, from fixing things because I've got control. He's over there. But um, he wants to uh, make, let us know that, like in John 15, 5, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. The disciples couldn't do anything without the power of God, without God's spirit. And he's empowered us today with his spirit, his, the Holy Ghost. If you have the Holy Ghost inside of you, you have the ability to step in and, and speak change in the name of Jesus to your situation. So James chapter one, he teaches us how to convert worry and anxiety into joy. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you and he will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. When negative things come our way, unexpected trials, things that cause us to worry, we can have joy. As we read in the NLT, it says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Woo, I don't know that, <laughs> that that's our natural response, is it? But it could be if we trust him and if we lean on his word. If we trust his word is true, we can trust that joy, that, that troubles and trials is an opportunity for joy. So joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of all of the details of my life. Settled assurance. The quiet confidence that no matter what's going on in my life, everything is going to be okay. And then I make a choice to praise him through it in every situation, in every detail. We have to understand that these things come, we can, they can still bring some good things into our lives. We were listening to a podcast on the way home from work today um, of Raymond Woodward, and he said this, God, he was talking about Job, he said, God can still display his glory on a suffering person. He can display his glory through our suffering, through our worry, through our trial. We can walk in a confidence that God has got it under control. And people can look at you and be like, how can you be so calm in this situation? Because I know who's got it under control. I know he has it under control. Um, the word count, count it all joy, means to evaluate Evaluate them in the light of God's truth in his promises and his faithfulness. Um, Romans 5, verses 1 through 5 say, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege 
where we, uh, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And then verse three says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character, that inner man character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Isn't that awesome? That's such a wonderful promise. If we meet these trials with perseverance, we are going to endure. We're going to push through um, with a willingness to endure the weight. Instead of being in our worry mode, we're going to get in perseverance mode. And it's going to produce in us a mature Christian who manifests love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, all the fruit of the Spirit. Nehemiah 8.10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. He gives us strength. Joy gives us strength to face life and all of its challenges. Now, I do want to say in a, in a side note, if you are experiencing anxiety and it's inhibiting your daily life, uh, please schedule some time to talk to Pastor and Sister Dory. Um, help, they will pray with you. They will help direct you, guide you. They will help maybe set you up with a, a Christian counselor, someone that you can talk to. There is no shame in counseling. There is no shame in speaking to someone because sometimes we just need that extra help to come alongside of us. And if it's a godly Christian counselor, they're going to be in the word and they're not going to steer you wrong. But I, so I just want to make sure that I'm clear. Don't discount your mental health. Yes, we can make it through, but sometimes we need a little extra help, okay? Okay. So this is the bottom line, and I'm almost done. When anxiety and worry begins to cloud our thoughts, we have to remind ourselves, number one, that God will supply what we need each day. And number two, that we should not worry, but invest our energy into persevering, persevering and enduring through. If we worry, it just makes our suffering worse and it accomplishes nothing. The, the verses in Matthew said, can it add a single moment to our lives? No, worry cannot do that. It's futile. However, if we choose to persevere, it creates in us a greater maturity and joy and that will help us endure um, until we make it through. We have to attack our emotional response of worry and anxiety with truth. Sometimes we forget what is true when we're clouded over with, with concerns of our life. So it's important to tell yourself the truth about the situation that's causing you to worry. God is in control. God will provide my needs. God will supply this situation. God will heal. God will make a way. He is my shield. God is my protector. He's going to take me through this. I speak truth into these situations. You may believe Satan's lies about the problem, but when we tell ourselves the truth, the lies can fade away. 
when we speak the word of God over our situation, um, it will help us in being living, living in a positive light and living in, a, in an overcoming way. The Lord is going to go before me today when I walk into work. The Lord is going to go before me and that worker, that co-worker that gives me such trouble, God is going to just bless them and maybe put them in a different department, but he's going to go before me. And whatever he does, I'm not going to forget who's in charge. Even if I have to work right next to them, God is in control and he is going to, he'll shut their mouths. I've had it happen. He has done it. God is my shield over my anxious thoughts and he's going to help me fight them off today. Jesus in your name, I ask that you take control of these thoughts that are out of control and, and I bring them under subjection and I cast them out because God, you are my rock. You are my fortress. I will trust in you. Amen. Hallelujah. If we could all stand, I am done. My problems from last week, they're not gone. But they're definitely not as big as they were. I have taken them to God and I have said, Lord, you're in control. You know the situation. I'm not going to say the prayers that, that cover these situations because that might be too revealing. But God knows the prayers that I've prayed about these needs. And he has got them under control. And he is bigger. And I trust him for these situations. They're, they're, this isn't brand new groundbreaking information tonight. But I really hope and pray that God has reminded you, okay, He's got it. He's going to bring you through. You can overcome. You can win this, this struggle and this um, weight that tend to trip us up. We don't have to go down losers in this situation. We are winners and we will overcome when we give it to him. Can we raise our hands and let's thank the Lord for this. Hallelujah, God, we thank you that you have given us the ammunition and the ability to, to speak life and to speak truth into our situations. God, whatever the situation is tonight in each of these lives, Lord, I ask that you would be a protector, that you would be their shield, you would be their faith, God. Whatever is needed, Lord, supply it in the name of Jesus. God, let us walk in strength. Let us walk in faith. Let us walk in the seeking the kingdom first above all else, God, and that your righteousness would work in us and that you would not um, lay us aside, but God, that you would be glorified in what we do, that your name would be made great. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in my situation today, God. And tomorrow you've already got it covered. I know you're going to be in my tomorrow. I trust you, God, with all of that. I give it to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.